Am I satisfied? Are you satisfied with, with where you are individually as a person? And then he began to question me. Or are you satisfied with, with where we are and where you are as a church? And so as we begin to, to look at that question and, and we begin to, to talk about the things that were necessary in order for us to, to get to that point where we could work toward being satisfied and we could work toward doing the things that God wants to do in our life. And so when we look at that aspect, we ask ourselves another question. And the question is, are you all in? Are you all in? And so we started last week, and we said for, the, for, the, for four weeks, we're going to be looking at four words that start with the letter I-N. So last week, we talked about the word invited. And we began to discuss, and we looked at how that we are invited to the family of God. Uh, you may be uh, the type of person that, that you sometimes feel left out. You, you sometimes feel as if as, as, as you're forgotten or that you're not invited or you're not welcome. But we learned last week and, and we looked at that God says you're invited to my family regardless of your past, regardless of the mistakes that you've made in your life, regardless of the situation that you have found yourself in or maybe the situation that you have found yourself in today. You see, Jesus was always going to and seeking out those who other people, who the religious and other people rejected. We looked at the story of how that, that there was a woman who was a prostitute. And here she was, but she was willing to show up someplace where she was not invited. She was willing to have people stare at her, to have people look at her, to have people... Say, why are you here? What are you doing here? Because she understood and she had a revelation that she had been invited by Jesus. We looked at where Jesus said, he said, if you're burdened, if you're weary, he said, come to me. No matter what's going on in your life, we want you to know and God wants you to know that you are invited to the family of God. Next week, we're going to look at the word influential and how that we are influential for God's glory. And the final week, we're going to look at the word invested. But today, we want to look at the word invaluable. Invaluable. You are invaluable to God's work. Now, just to be clear, just to clear it up, invaluable does not mean not valuable. It actually means the exact opposite. It means that you are uniquely val valuable to God. Jesus told a parable that, that we actually just sang about. He told a parable about a, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And one, just one of those sheep wandered away. And Jesus began to tell. He said, that shepherd was so concerned about that one sheep. Now, it wasn't that it was his favorite sheep. It wasn't that it was his prized sheep. It was just one of the flock. It was just one of the 100. But that shepherd was so concerned about that one little lamb, that one sheep, that he was willing to walk away from the other 99. He was willing to walk away and to go find that 
lost sheep. And Jesus was telling this parable so that we could, could try to grasp the importance and the value that we have to God. You're valuable to God. You're valuable because you were created with a purpose. You were created to make a difference in God's church. Now, honestly, this message is something that is very difficult for many. Because it is hard to believe. It is hard to comprehend. Because we look at ourselves. And when we look at ourselves, we see things that we don't like. When we look at ourselves, we look in the mirror and we say, Man, if I were only as smart as so-and-so. If I only had the ability or the talents. And so we start to play this comparison game. And so what ends up happening is, is you don't feel good about the way that, that you are. You don't feel good about yourself. And then you begin to, to listen to and, and compare yourself to others who may be smarter or more talented. Or, or you feel more worthy. And you're going through life and you make a mistake. And then you back that up by making a bigger mistake. And you become so insecure about who you are in Christ you become so insecure about if you're valuable or not. And you don't think you can make a difference. You see, there is a lie that your enemy, your adversary, who is described in the Bible as the father of lies, there is a lie that he tries to convince all of us. He wants us to believe. He wants me to believe. He wants you to believe. That if you weren't here, it would not make a difference. If you weren't here, no one would miss you. That it wouldn't matter. And my prayer is, is before you leave here today, that, that you will realize and that you will understand that you are invaluable to God's work. You are uniquely prepared with divine gifts, with passions, with talents. When God created you, He put you, those talents and those passions in you. And He put you at this time, in this moment in history, for a reason. Because you are valuable to God's work. Now the Apostle Paul, he went through a, a great lengths to allow the, the church at Corinth to understand and to realize. Because honestly, they were probably people who feel a lot like us. You see, the Bible says that they were not of noble birth. Many of them were slaves. They weren't highly educated. Uh, many of them, I'm sure, felt like that they could not make a difference in the world that they were living in. And Paul was led by the Spirit to write this passage of Scripture. He gave them a metaphor and he compared the people of God or the church to the human body. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he wrote this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. He said the human body has many parts. You have an ear. You have an eye. Hopefully two. You have a nose. You have a mouth, you have a hand, you have a thumb, you have an elbow, 
You have a knee. And I could go on and on and on. The human body has many parts. But all of these parts individually are just one thing. But when you put them together, it makes up one body. So here Paul is comparing the body parts of a human being to the body of Christ. Now let's think about it this way for a moment. You can have one, and this may take up some crowd participation. You have one elephant. But what is a group of elephants called? Very good, a herd. Not Marshall. How about this? A a group of lions. What are they called? A pride. Man, somebody's reading my notes. What about a a group of donkeys? Watch it. They're called a pace. How about a group of vultures? I found this one hilarious. Anybody know what a group of vultures are? It's a committee. Now you know why we didn't vote on carpet collar or any of that stuff. Because just a committee is just a bunch of vultures. So a single animal has one name. But when you group them together, they take on a different identity. When you group them together, they take on a new name. You call a person who has submitted to Christ, a person who Christ has come into their life and they're trusting Him as their Savior and to lead their life, you call them a Christian or or a disciple. But when you take those Christians or disciples and you put them together, and when they come together to worship God, when they come together empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world, a group of Christians or disciples, you may call them the church. Or Paul might have called them, he did call them the body of Christ. You see, on your own, you're just a disciple. But together, we take on a new identity. You are his body. In other words, you are his hands to serve people. You are his feet to take the gospel to places. You are his mouth to lift up others. You're his heart to express his love to people who are hurting or who feel far from God. You are an invaluable part of the body of Christ. So anytime the enemy tries to convince you, anytime that he tries to to tell you that you aren't good enough, Or that you're not important. We need to learn just to step back and say, no, wait a minute. My God created me. He sent His Son to die for me. His Spirit lives in me. I am an invaluable part of the body of Christ. And today I want you to be able to understand that and to grasp that and to embrace the fact that every part of the body matters. Every part. You see, Paul understood that the enemy was going to attack with this lie. And that led him to write this whole passage of Scripture that we find in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, we're just going to read what what he wrote. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says... I'm not part of the body because I am not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. 
And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. I think Paul's trying to get a message here across. Verse 21 says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This passage of Scripture is so often. But because we often think that my part doesn't matter. Here, I found that, that, that Paul compared the ear to the eye. Now, if you were part of the body and you were the ear, it probably would be easy to become jealous of the eye. Because the ears don't get much attention. I mean, that moment that I met my wife, I didn't become mesmerized by her ears. But it was her eyes. The only time your ear gets attention, if you're a man and you get older, you have a little hair sticking out. The eyes get the attention. No one has ever had an ear-to-ear conversation. No one has, has ever said that beauty is in the ear of the beholder. Or maybe you are the apple of my ear. <clears throat> the ear could, could, could easily say, I am not important. But without the ear, we couldn't hear. Every part of the body matters. Every part. Your part, your role, your presence, your voice, your contribution. It all matters in the family of God. Paul continued to write in verse 22. He said, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. They're indispensable. Your role matters to the heart of God. Your role matters in the body. If you look at your hand and you begin to to look at your fingers, the pinky is usually overlooked. I mean, if you, you, you know, you can thumb wrestle, you do all these things, and, and, and what does the pinky do? It just goes, what, wee, 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 all the way home? Did you know that 50% of your hand strength comes from the pinky? How about that little thing that dangles down in your throat? The uvula. It doesn't seem that important, does it? Did you know that it produces enough saliva over the course of a life to fill two swimming pools? It doesn't get much attention, does it? I see some cheapskates out there right now who have pools thinking, maybe I can save some money. (laughs) But if you were choosing to be a body part, No one would choose to be the uvula, but it's important. Your part matters in the body of Christ. And many times, it's actually the parts that maybe are the least visible that are the most important. Just because it isn't seen 
doesn't mean that it is important. You might be a prayer warrior, and you spend time going before God and praying and seeking God. No one ever sees it, but it could be your private faith that that touches the heart of God. And because of your private faith, we see miracles take place. You may be and do something behind the scenes to make someone feel loved. Others may never see that. But it matters. It changes people's lives. You see, something that, that we must understand and we must realize is that, first of all, we are called. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's called you. He called you to this gospel for a reason, so that you could share the glory that He has. Secondly, you're chosen. You're chosen. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He said, not only are you called, but you are chosen. You are chosen for a reason. You are chosen to bear fruit. Thirdly, you're capable. You're capable. And this is where many of us lose out right here. Because we look at ourselves and we think, I can't do it. I can't make a difference. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, it says, So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When God created you, He equipped you to do the work that He has for us. And so what this tells us is is that if you aren't engaged, if you aren't involved, if you aren't serving, if you aren't loving, if you aren't contributing, then there's something that God wants to be done that is not being done. You see, when part of the body falls asleep, the body does not function correctly. You ever slept on your hand? And then you wake up and you're like, It feels weird, right? It feels strange. And your body doesn't function correctly. You you can't get it to work right. Now listen, being in ministry for over 20 years, I have a lot of stories. And um, so... And every time I get ready to tell a story, there's people that have known me for 20 years. They sort of grab their seat because they don't know what story I'm getting ready to tell. There's been some great things that have happened over 20 years. But there was one particular time that uh, we were in, in church, and, and I have a, a friend who I will not tell his name to protect the innocent. But he enjoyed the sensation of part of his body being asleep. So he would, during church, he would actually sit, fold his leg up, and sit on it so that it would go to sleep. Strange, right? So it became a big joke, and we all knew he did this, but but one night there was an evangelist that came in. 
And this person was sitting about where probably Dink and Debbie are sitting. It wasn't at this church, but in... And so the evangelist is up there, and he's preaching, and, and you know, he's just really getting into it. And, and, and he says, I need somebody to help me preach. Anybody ever seen a preacher do that? I need somebody to help me preach. And he looks over, and he says, young man, come up here and help me preach. He'd been sitting on his leg. It was asleep. But what are you going to do? In the middle of service. You, you mean you can't tell him no. You can't say uh, I'm sorry. You know he didn't have time to explain. He said come on up here. So he gets up. And almost falls on his face. Trying to get to the front. Because his leg was not working properly. But you know that happens. It happens in our lives. We fall asleep. And when we fall asleep as part of the body of Christ, there are needs that aren't being met. There are lives that are not being changed. And we allow the enemy to, to rock us to sleep and to allow us to believe that, well, if I just come, if I just show up, I'm doing my part. And he puts us to sleep. And when we do not allow our gifts and our talents to work in the body of Christ, there's stuff that's not getting done. Now, I've been asked the question, and, and people will say, I understand what you're saying, Pastor, but, but I have a past. I understand what you're saying, but, but I, don't, I don't know, because I've got things back there that... that that I think disqualify me. Can I tell you that your past does not disqualify you? Your past does not disqualify you. It actually, it prepares you. You may be here this morning, you may be, may be thinking, Pastor, I had a marriage that failed. I can't lead a life group. But I would look at you and say, you're a perfect person to help people who are hurting heal. You may look at me and say, Pastor, I don't know enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. And I would look at you and say, if you know Jesus and you love people, then you have all that you need to know. You may say, Pastor, I was, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And they took me down a path that I didn't want to go. And, and I'm still, every day it's a battle. But I'm striving to be more like Christ. But there's no way that I can minister to people. And I would look at you and say, your story will be an inspiration to others. You see, no matter what's your past, it does not disqualify you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. God does not waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. And there are things that you have went through in your life. Hurts and, and trouble and sorrow. That you have two choices. You can sit and you can dwell upon it. And you can say, my past, I can't do anything. I'm paralyzed because of my past. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to take what I've been through and I'm going to use it for the glory and for the benefit of others. It's been said before, but God doesn't care about your ability. 
All he cares about is your availability. He just says, will you allow me to use you? You see, because your presence matters. Your worship matters. Your story matters. Your words matter. Your gifts matter. Your generosity, it matters. Your words of encouragement, they matter. You see, when you listen to someone, or maybe you open up your home, or maybe you, you, you make someone a meal, it matters. My daughter has the flu. And that's why uh, my wife's not here this morning. But I'd been stuck in the house all day yesterday. And so I'm laying there and just trying to relax. And I get a text message that said, have you guys eaten yet? And I said, uh, no, actually, I didn't tell them, but I was actually sitting there thinking, man, what am I going to do for dinner? There's nothing here. If there's ever, like, you ever need food, don't come to my house. We're one of those people that um, we buy as we need. I know some of you have got groceries stocked up for, you know, the next 20 years. Um, but uh, we're not that way. So I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? And they said, have you eaten yet? And I was thinking, well, we, we can't go anywhere. And, and uh, so I explained to them. And uh, they said, well, we were going to bring some dinner by for you or bring you whatever you need. And they said, we're out eating right now. Just tell us what, what you want. And um, so in about 30 minutes, somebody rang the doorbell, and there was food. It was better than DoorDash. It actually, it didn't cost me a penny. I didn't even tip him. But you will never know how much that that meant to me. Why? Why did it mean something to me? Because, uh, number one, it was the fact that someone was showing my family the love of Jesus. That's why it meant something to me. It also meant something to me as the pastor because when I see, and it's not the first time that it's happened to people in this church, but when I see something like that happen or I hear about it, 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 it puts a smile on God's face, but it also puts a smile on my face. Because everything that, that we preach, everything that we teach, everything that we do here at Gateway is centered around loving God and loving people. And it's just about doing your part. It's just about doing your part. I mean, think of what is possible when the body is working and functioning like it should. I mean, every widow could have their needs met. Anyone who's, who's been felt rejected or who feels alone could feel God's love. Every person who is trapped in addiction could find freedom in Christ. Every lost person in our community who are longing for something, who need to hear about the love of Jesus. If the body is doing their part. They could feel that love. 
were his feet to deliver the good news. Were his hands to help those in need. Were his words to bring hope to the hurting. You say, Pastor, how? It sounds great, but how can I be that person? You start by loving your neighbor. You start by serving people well. You start by turning the other cheek. You start by praying for those people who hurt you. You get a revelation that your unique place in God's work. You stop wishing that that you were different. You make a decision to, to contribute your time and your resources and yourself to God's work. You are invaluable. You're invaluable. You say, Pastor, why? Why am I invaluable? What makes me special? One of the greatest home run hitters of all time was Babe Ruth. And over the course of of, of his career and course of his life, he signed a lot of balls, a lot of uniforms and, and pieces of paper, but he only signed, autographed seven bats that had been used to hit home runs. But the very first bat that he ever autographed, it disappeared. Six of them had had been accounted for. But the very first one, the, the one that he used on April the 18th in 1923 in Yankee Stadium to hit a home run versus the Red Sox, it vanished. His agent had give, give it away. But no contact information was given. So they didn't know where this bat was. But in 1988, the owner of that bat was on his deathbed. And he had outlived all the rest of his family. And his closest, dearest friend in this world was the nurse who had been taking care of him during this prolonged illness. So before he died, he gave the bat to her. She wasn't a baseball fan, and and the bat really didn't mean anything to her. It was a nice thought, a nice gesture, but but she took the bat and, and put it under her bed. And that bat laid there for 18 years. She was getting close to retirement age, and and when she was going to retire, she decided that she wanted to open a restaurant. But she didn't have the money. So she began to to try to figure out, okay, how can I get enough money to open this restaurant? It's something that I want to do when I retire, but I, I, I don't have the money to do it. And all of a sudden, she remembered that bat that was under her bed. You've been there. There's something that you want, and you just start looking, what can I sell? You need money, what can I sell? What can I get rid of? So she pulled it out from under her bed and she took it to a local shop to have it appraised. Now the owner at that shop, he must have been a good guy. Because a lot of people would have said, 
Yeah, it's a bat. Here's a hundred bucks. But he took it to, she took it to the shop and, and he looked at it and, and he knew the story. And he began to research it. And so the owner began to, to think and suspect that, that this might be the missing bat. So he had others come in and look at it and then they tested the bat and they looked at, to, to, to figure out its authenticity. And after all of that, it was determined that this was the missing bat. The bat went to auction. And it sold for $1.3 million. If anybody has one of the other six bats, I want to talk to you. I got 100 bucks. $1.3 million. So when she received this money, she decided and made a decision. She only kept what was needed for her to start the restaurant. She took the rest of that money and she gave it to a foundation for children. A foundation that, that Babe Ruth had wanted to help near the end of his life. Of course, in today's society, I mean, it's very uncommon. So people begin to ask her, how in the world, why would you walk away from all of that money only keep the little bit that you needed. And her answer was this. She said that bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. Because he had signed it. And since he, he made it valuable with his signature, the only thing that I could do in good conscience was to do something that would honor his life. You ask, why am I valuable? Because once you make that decision and that you accept that invitation into the family of God, then something happens. What makes you valuable is because you have Jesus' name written on your heart. It's nothing that you did. It's nothing that you deserved or that you were worthy of. And so once he does that, the only reasonable response that we could have is to do something with our life that honors him. When we talk about being all in, we talk about sacrifices. We talk about doing our part. You are valuable to God. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter how unworthy you feel, you are valuable to Him. And you're valuable to the body of Christ. Once he writes his name on your heart. He says, now all I'm asking is do something with your life to honor me. He said, all I'm asking is to present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to do his work. 
with every head bowed. You may say, Pastor, I'm here today and I probably should have been here last week because I've, I've never really accepted the invitation into his family. I've got issues, I've got problems, I've got struggles. There's times that I feel unimportant or like I'm not wanted. The good news is, is that it wasn't just an invitation for last week. That invitation is always there. It's always at the forefront. It's always available. So would there be any here this morning that you would just just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I need to accept the invitation into the family of God. I need something in my life to change. I need the direction that I'm headed to change. Would there be anyone? I need to accept that invitation. Thank you. Would there be anyone else? Thank you. God says that to accept that invitation, all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord. So before we go any farther, we're going to pray. And if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. that's all it takes Father I thank you for your presence God I thank you for your invitation God I, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for me God, I pray that you'll forgive me. That you'll come into my life. That you'll be Lord. God, I need a new direction. I need your name written on my heart. I need you in my life. I thank you for hearing my prayer. I thank you for your forgiveness. this morning you prayed that prayer welcome to the family of God a place that you'll never feel unwanted the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you were that one lost sheep 
that was just found. Now you might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I accepted the invitation into the family of God. But just to be honest, I've, I've believed the lies of the enemy. If I'm being honest with myself, Pastor, I, 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 I've sort of fell asleep. Maybe I, I used to be active in, in, in the church and doing things, and, and I was an active member and part of the body of Christ. But over the course of time, things have happened, and, and I feel as if I'm not important anymore. I feel as if I, 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 just, I just show up on Sunday morning, and I'm just checking off a box. But through this sermon this morning, Pastor, I've realized that my part is important. That there's a role for me to play. If that's you and you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I want to play. I don't want to do my part. I want to play my role. I'm tired of just living for myself. I want to do something that's bigger than myself. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, I want to play my part. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. as a symbol that we're all one body. I know I'll get emails about this and text messages for all the germaphobes. I pray protection over you in the name of Jesus. But as a symbol, I'm going to ask you to take the hand and I want us to join hands all across this sanctuary just as a symbol that we're in this together you may have to move out of your seat you might have to get out of your comfort zone find somebody and take their hand it's a good way to make friends We're going to pray. And as a pastor, this is a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful sight. Because I understand and I have the revelation of knowing that without us, the body of Christ being unified, marching in the same direction, realizing that we all have a role to play, then that community out there is not going to get touched the way that God wants to touch it. And so we're going to pray. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God to help identify your role and to help you do your part to see His gospel spread. Don't listen to me pray. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning.
God, I'm so thankful for the, the people that you have placed with us. People to do life together with. And God, as we join hands across this auditorium, Father, I pray, God, if there's anyone here who walked in here feeling unworthy, who walked in here feeling unimportant, who walked in here feeling as if they had no value or no purpose, God, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts and speak to their lives and allow them to know that they have a role to play, that they are invaluable to your work. I come against the lies of the enemy. The father of lies who tries to make us believe that, that it wouldn't matter if, if we weren't here or if, if we weren't doing our part or if, even if we weren't in the body. Holy Spirit, speak to our lives and hearts right now. God, allow us to leave here knowing that we're important. That we're valuable. God, wake us up. Don't allow us just to, to sit on our hands and our feet any longer. Don't allow us to be rocked to sleep in a place of complacency by the enemy. But Father, in the name of Jesus... I pray that we leave here today unified, ready to, to, to conquer the gates of hell. God, I pray for our community. Father, this poverty community, the, the place where you have placed us strategically for a reason and for a purpose. God, we never, we never saw it coming. But God, we stand and we know that everything works together for good. For those who love you. For those who are called to your purpose. And God, I pray that, that as, a, as a, a group of Christians together, the body of Christ, the church, that we will come together. God, that 2020, there can be revival in the streets around this church. That drug addicts can be set free. That alcoholics can be delivered. That those who are lonely and who are hurting can find love and acceptance. God, not to lift up the name of, of Gateway, but God, to lift up and to glorify your name. God, may we all do our part. May we all realize that we have a role to play. God, let us find it. Let us walk in it. God, there's nothing more that I want than to be your hands and to be your feet. To take the gospel.